expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. Alrighty, folks, welcome back to the Poe Hitter Podcast. It's your host, Rob DiPietro, the Dead Poe Hitter. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Poe Hitter Podcast, episode number 55. And today, my guest is Nathan Grimm. He is a writer at Baseball Prospectus, formerly a writer at Roto World. And he joined me to talk about some quick StatCast metrics that are catching our eyes for certain players and we're going to do a three up three down segment where we're going to talk about three guys that we're up on and three guys that were down on just scanning the baseball savant website and looking at some StatCast metrics obviously we are working with small samples we all know that but uh, when you know a uh, league can be won and obviously still you know lost too within um making quick decisions uh, and sometimes we've got to plant our flag and just go with our gut and hopefully that going forward um that we were right on said player so um yeah so i hope you enjoyed this episode um if you have not gotten a chance to rate the podcast or review the podcast that would be tremendously um helpful and much appreciative to me um so you can Go to any platform that allows you to leave a rating review. Um, take a snapshot of that and send it to me on Twitter at DeadPoHitter and I'll send you some Pohitter swag. And uh, yeah, we'll just get right into the episode. All right, enjoy. All right, folks, welcome back to the Pohitter podcast. Tonight, I have a special guest with me. We are going to get into a little three up, three down um, with StatCast leaderboards and StatCast metrics. Um, and my co-partner tonight is mr nathan grimm how are you tonight buddy i'm doing good man how are you i'm doing wonderful Um, glad that you uh came on the show with me i know we've been in dialogue for a while now so thank you for supporting the show as well and thank you for joining me tonight yeah man i i'm, I'm excited that you asked me to be on i'm, I'm a fan first so um, this is a uh, this is cool for me sweet cool um why don't you let everyone know where they can find you on twitter and what you got going on um right now in your fantasy um baseball content life yeah, um, Twitter is Nate underscore Grimm. Um, and uh, right in the BP, Baseball Prospectus, I've been there since about January, um, had been at Roto World with now NBC Sports Edge for eight years before that. Um, at BP, um, they've got me writing a couple columns, um, three every two weeks, basically. But the one kind of constant is I'm on Wednesdays, I'm looking at um, deep league plays. So, you know, really trying to utilize my familiarity with the player pool and the you know, the, the real sort of deep end of that to, um, to, you know, highlight some guys, recommend some guys who are doing interesting things or have interesting situations that uh, maybe we should be 
we should uh, be paying attention to in some of those really deep mixed leagues and, and only a only leagues. I love, um, I love the deeper the player pool, I find it the best. Um, like I geek out at the, uh, at the later round of draft champions, right? Like, uh, every, every, you know, everybody knows about the top 20, top 25, but once it got past that is when I was really like, you know, I don't know. It's like a weird obsession to have to be, to like that part of the player pool more than the top. (laughs) No, I'm right there. Like I, it's almost ruined. You know, I saw a lot of guys doing the, um, the, the, the fifties uh, uh, and I, those being 12 teams, it was just, it was almost like, uh, you know, a 12 team. Like I, I, I want that, that what you're talking about that 15 team. Like I want to be throwing, you know, Kendall Graveman darts in the 48th round. Like that's, yes. that's where I'm, I'm at. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I know. I love those Kendall Gravemans. I have so many Kendall Gravemans. I, and- can I, I'm going to, I'm going to go just brag like for one second here. Uh, so I did, um back in january did a uh, dc my only dc this year and um i did it with a buddy of mine and so you know like i said you're throwing you're throwing darts at the end of it and so um you know at that point i think carlos rodon was a was unsigned he was still floating around or maybe he had just signed back with the white Sox, and they were like we'll give you a chance and so we took him in the 49th round so um that's kind of our you know where we're celebrating today uh, after last night's uh, heroics. So that's, that's my little, um, you know, bragging for a second. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. I've had a Kendall Graveman obsession for a while now. I have him um, thinking like five, five or six league, pretty much all my draft champions too. I just, he was always the guy I was looking at later on. It's like, I, I read um and you know, it's just, with less game going on from the season end, they signed him real quick in the off season. And I kind of picked up on that. It was like one of the first off season signed and um, just read a couple articles when they signed him and the coaching staff just really seemed really keen on what he did when he went into the pen, you know, and um, all the, all the um, changes he's shown now, he was shown at the end of the year when he, you know, slid into the pen. I just thought it was, you know, pretty cool how they brought him back and they talked up him really good and I just never liked Montero either so it looks like it's gonna happen I'm just mad I didn't get him in my main event like uh it's like almost like um I I was trying too hard to uh <laughs> find ways to in my head like it's not gonna be great man it's just it just happened that one time but it just looked like real that way so yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty mad at myself for that yeah. one <laughs> but um yeah so that's cool I uh, love the deep Deep league play. I think that um, it's good to know that part of the player pool because um, you know you it it can help you in deep leagues and in in shallow leagues. I think it gives you like a good baseline of knowing where where to cut off like that player because like you said in those fifties, I did one of them and like right after the draft champions and I was like, but wait a minute, like I haven't picked all these guys yet. Right. <laughs> right, but, right. Yeah. So it's good. It was a good mental um, thing to do before I did. I only did one 12 man um, road wire online championship and happened to be one of my better teams. So maybe I should have done a little more of the 12 teamers. So um, how are you doing in TGFBI? I'm, I'm, you know, knock on, I don't, I'm not near any wood right now, uh, but um <laughs> I, I think I'm like top 15 overall. Um, I'm okay. having a, uh, a good, uh, so I got, I got in on the road on um, perfect game or the, you know, the no hitter last night. I fabbed him uh, for the two start week last week, maybe. Um, and, uh, and I also have Musgrove. So I've got, uh, I was bragging a little bit about having both no hitters 
thus far this year. Um, so good fortune. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so things are going well and, and TGFBI, I think I've, I've got a pretty tough league. I mean, everybody's got a tough league, right? So, um, not, not expecting to run away with it, but, um, but yeah, had some good early season success and, um, and, and it's been without George Springer too. So, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, my team gets healthier and, and things get even better, but, um, so far so good. Wow. That's, uh, did you, did you draft Rodon or did you scoop him up in a, on the yeah, he was on my he was on my radar. Like I mentioned, um, you know, I I've kind of been um, one of the things with what you're talking about with doing some of these these drafts really early in the in the draft season, and especially the deeper ones, is guys kind of come onto your radar, and then you kind of you know you follow them through spring. And so um, having Rodon on that on that drafted hold and paying attention to how he was doing in spring, I was on him pretty early in in, in a lot of places. I have him in like the Rat Slam, the best ball. Got him in a couple other spots. I didn't draft him um, in TGFBI, but he was sitting around after the after the first like four game week, and I think I scooped him up then for what was supposed to be maybe a two start week. And so obviously he's not going anywhere now, but um, but I, I, I nabbed him. Uh, but no, he he had been undrafted in our league, and I'm not sure if he got drafted in a lot of leagues, if we right. were unique or, um, or or what. But, um, but yeah, I, I scooped him up. Nice, that's a good scoop right there. Yeah, um, as spring training was winding down, he he kind of like definitely went on my radar and um, they got him in one of my main event leagues. And, um, but TGFBI ended up, I had, I had my other eye on Matt too. So I ended up getting Matt, no Rodon though. Um, and Matt just had the former Met fan. I, um, I, I know what he was, but I also like, there was just a bunch of wonky things in his profile last year, um, including like a, a lot of his home runs that he gave up. Um, many of them weren't even like, you know, big, big shots or barrel shots. So yeah, kind of wall uh, scrapers. Yeah. 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 So, um, but, and, and, you know, like uh, sometimes just that, that good old change of scenery, but even, even in his like decent years at a three, nine or four ERA with some strikeouts, I was like, all right, you know, I'll take a chance that maybe, um, you know, cause part of me also too was like, man, like Hirano really wants to compete this year. Like, what do they see in being so confident in just this, you know, Matt's and um, bro, like, what do they see in Strip these guys Robbie that Ray, they're just, right. yeah, yeah, like, what are they yeah. so, you know, so, I don't know, um, you know, put too much into the organization, but he looks pretty good. So, yeah, it's a, early in the season, it's my first time, you know, taking um, part in the TGFBI, and it's pretty cool. It's a, it's a bunch of great players in, in the leagues, and um, it's cool. I'm uh I'm enjoying this whole ride into the fantasy baseball, uh, you know, um, industry here. It's pretty cool. Everyone's yeah. really awesome and, um, it's a good time. So yeah, we're going to get into a little, um, three up, three down. We're going to go through three players that were in on and out on just, um, or, you know, sour on and, you know, uh, just basically looking at some stack cast metrics. Um, I know everyone built uh, real big right now on, you know, sample size and, it being too small and what is everyone talking about? It's too early to, you know, I know stabilization rates and normalization rates and that's fine and good, but um, I've definitely won a couple of weeks um, acting on two weeks uh, stat. What do you say, Nate? Have, have you ever had success picking up a guy after two weeks? Yeah, it's, it's, you're, you're trying to thread the needle, right? Like right. you're, you're trying not to, and I saw um, something on, on Twitter where um, Yancey was, was uh, Yancey Eaton was, was kind of making a joke because someone had, uh, had said, you know, you have to be aggressive on the guys that are, you know, that are doing well, but also don't overreact on the guys who are doing poorly. And it's kind of like, 
well, who are you dropping? You know, you don't have 75 <laughs> roster spots. So how do I pick up these guys who are doing well and not drop the guys who are doing poorly? So it's, it's, you're really trying to um, figure out what's real, you know, what, what can you kind of glean from that? And I think that's what we're going to try to talk about here today, but um, sure. Like, you know, that's, that's the, 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 the reason we're paying so much attention to this now is because if you strike gold now, you get five and a half months worth of, of, you know, good production from a guy. Um, so I think that you have to be trying to find those guys who are real and, um, and just hoping that you're not, you know, uh, dropping guys along the way who are, who are going to snap out of it or, you know, end up being kind of what we thought they were. Um, it's tough. And, and I, you know, you kind of go back to the Pianowski is Scott Pianowski. Um, you know, if you don't have any regrets at the end of the year, you probably weren't active enough in trying to find those guys who are going to help you. So it's, it's, um, you're going to make some mistakes too. Right. I like that line. That's a good one. That's a very yeah, good one. That's don't, I don't think that's verbatim, but it's the idea, right. That you, that you, you, you need to be making some mistakes uh, along the way or else you're probably not, not really trying hard enough. Nice. I like that. Very awesome. Um, yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, you know, um, and I also think it's a, it's a process to try to hit a $6 ad before it becomes a $95 ad, right? You know, um, you have to be a week ahead, you know, to say, all right, well, maybe I remember last year, uh, my first, um, like real big, um, ever like NFBC transaction was Dylan Moore, right? Just, I remember saying, okay, it's, it's, it's relatively small, but it looks really good, you know? And like, um, at some point you got to plant your flag with a it was a short season. I needed um, offense bad. And I was like, okay, you know, um, I'm going for this guy. But it was very early. It was after only three or four games where it's like, okay, this can't be real, but I'm going to take a shot at it. And I got it at a decent price. And, you know, sometimes you just have to um, just be a little aggressive. And, you know, um, I guess, too, like just not spending capital or not, you know, Helling yourself on fab like just be smart about it um and that's the thing that's part of the overreaction or underreaction it's um as long as it's in a fair you know move that you make like a it's not gonna hurt your team then i think it's you know you gotta be aggressive you know and i'm still trying to that's one one area of my game that i'm still still trying to kind of get better at um is the you know being a, a step ahead balancing need versus want or you know the fact that um you know hitting the right guy could could really be a big boon so um one of the things is you know in my in my tgfbi um bids this past week i had at the bottom of my of my, my conditionals um like a one dollar kendall graveman just if everything else didn't work out you know and now i'm you know I'm, I'm looking at nobody nobody picked him up and i didn't get him because i got some of the guys ahead of him now I'm looking at it going, how much is he going to cost me this week to try and hit on? Why, why couldn't I have gotten the $1, you know, Graven last week? It's right. trying to, to get in a week early on these guys who, especially this year with all the closures and waiting and the, you know, anybody can blow up at any time. Um, you know, it's, it's trying to balance that versus like, do I want to add this two-star pitcher or do I want to make this speculative, you know, closer bid that, that the guy could sit on my bench all week and then I could drop him next week where I could have maybe gotten something out of the two-star pitcher or, you know, do I, do I want to take that shot? And so um, I'm still trying to figure out, you know, kind of let, like we said, the, you know, the urgency, the, the win now or the try and win over the long term, and how to balance all that with fab. Yep. It's a beautiful game it drives us mad, but it's fun. <laughs> 
So, all right. So since you're the guest, I am going to let you start off with the first player that you are in on or that you like right now. Yeah. So um, this is, you know, I tried to avoid the obvious, right? Like I, I don't need to tell anyone that, you know, Ronald Acuna is killing the ball um, <laughs> and that he's showing, you know, legitimately better plate discipline and all these things. So um, my first guy is, is about the other end of the spectrum. Um, but Brandon Crawford um, has, has kind of showed me some things, um, you know, so the, the, if we're kind of doing the stack ass theme, I mean, um, his 14.6 barrels per plate appearance is fourth best among qualified hitters um, going into uh, today, Thursday's games, um, three homers in his first 12 games. And so, um, you know, that would be easy, I think, to dismiss as being very sort of small sample, especially because when you look at the other metrics, he's not on par with like, you know, uh, exit velocity and some of those things that, uh, that the other guys around him who are doing that are, are you know, are, are showing. And so um, he's definitely sort of, you know, above his station, but also, you know, last year, um, you know, he, he had a, uh, a career high 465 slugging percentage um, uh, 111 WRC plus was best since 2015. So it's um, you know, it's suddenly like, okay, he showed something in a small sample he's kind of carried it over here. Like maybe, you know, maybe it's a combination of Brandon Crawford's just, you know, uh, on, on something of a heater slash he's, he's, um, you know, hitting the ball a little better. And maybe the San Francisco park thing is, is, you know, a change too. And and maybe um, we're going to see more of this from guys like him and Belton. Maybe that's more legitimate, uh, you know, from last year as well. So I'm, I'm interested. It's like a, it's a very sort of, it's, it's right in my wheelhouse with like the deep league, NL only play, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm starting to see Crawford as like, you know, a guy who is, if you need a serviceable fill in, especially in a good situation, um, is not sort of maybe that same boring guy that you remember him being. Right. I like that because, um, it's funny with Brandon Crawford. I feel like he's, he's, he's always the guy like in, in a daily league who finds himself like in and out more than, the normal people, right. You know, it's like, he's, he's good to stream and then he's good for his heaters. And then he's got not enough to keep all year round. Um, if it's a shallow league, but, um, I agree with you. He, he definitely been something different in his profile and in his game. Um, and actually just read something recently, which is interesting. I didn't know, like, this is his last year of his contract. So, um, you know, they were just also mentioning how how good uh, the Giants will be along the way. And at some point, um, you know, if SF wanted to move on and get something for him, that will also be a possibility. But, yeah, the SF Park thing is definitely interesting, right? Um, um, I, I guess they haven't removed those walls, right? Is it still there? Yeah, yeah. So I think, right, there was something with the, the breezeway or the, you know, the, the fans being able to see in and, um, yeah, and then I think they made a, a couple of maybe some some changes to the stadium itself too. So um, I haven't I haven't uh, to be honest, you know, for full transparency, I haven't actually looked into how the park itself as a whole is playing this year. Right. Um, but I know that last year, you know, it played better for for hitters than it had been. So um, I'm wondering if that's carried over. But I, I don't know on the whole if that's if that's true. Right. Interesting. All right. Brandon Crawford, your number one, your first up guy. So I'm <laughs> going to go with, I'm going to stay in the you know, West and I'm going to go to Ryan McMahon. Um, so I've been like big Ryan McMahon fan, I think last three, four years, just waiting for him to, you know, get to that level that I think he's capable of. And 
I think he's slowly getting there little by little. I think he's making some solid changes across the board. And, it, and you know, that's the thing. I think some guys will take like massive steps up, but and some guys will just incrementally get a little better. And I see that in them. Um, the exit velocity on fly balls and line drives right now is at 97 miles per hour. Um, 2020 was 95 and 2019 was 93. So, um, and his launch angle has gone up, you know, again, small amount, but every year. So I think he's definitely making steps to lift the ball more and drive it in the air. Um, his barrels, hard hit rate has gone up and just noted that he's making better contact in his own, um, from a little bit in the middle of last year to this year, chase rates down, and he's also being more aggressive in the zone. So um, I like that. I like what I see from McMahon. I think he's growing into that, you know, like bonafide, hopefully. And then obviously it comes out to the Rockies, right? It's like, can you just let this guy play already? Like, just just let him hit. Like, just let him in there and and let him do his thing. I mean, I don't but know. But I, I think Mark yeah. Reynolds is still floating around on the free agent market. Oh, so you can't you, – you get the opportunity to sign Mark Reynolds to play in front of Ryan McMahon. You have to do it. Oh, man. I'm just waiting for that. Like, Mark Reynolds or like – I could see, like, uh, some random, like, hey, let's go sign um, Edwin Hanarcion, you know, and it's like – Well, and know. they did, right? Um, <laughs> uh, Matt Adams is floating around in their minor league system oh, right now. Man. So just, just wait until he gets called up and is, is starting every day. Jesus, no way. We don't need that. <laughs> oh, the Rockies. They are no, but McMahon, um, uh, he, all through draft season, w- was his ADP like one of the weirdest? Um, it's a guy who, especially after Arenado was traded, uh, who's going to play third base every day, going to hit in the middle of that lineup, play half his games, of course, has first, second, and third eligibility. And he was still like 250 ADP 250, right. all through draft season. Absolutely. And it's just, I, um, I, I didn't get it. I also didn't, I mean, I, I didn't have a ton of shares. I do have a couple shares, I think, but, um, but like, it just didn't make any sense to me. This guy who, who has like the perfect sort of, you know, eligibility cocktail to be, you know, a guy you can just plug in anywhere has all of these, these really sort of attractive things. Um, right. Even before we saw all this stuff, but, you know, before we saw the launch angle and the exit velocity on fly balls. Um, it, okay, it just was, based off his 2019, right? Nate, yeah. 24, 24 and 83 and 250. Like um, that, that place. That, yeah, like you said, like at two fifty with three spots eligible. Yeah, that that's a good point. That's a great thing that you brought up. Like that is a surprising ADP right there. It, I yeah. didn't I didn't understand it like all throughout draft season, and I think I was just I think I I just the reason I don't have him everywhere is I probably did kind of get lulled into that sense of like oh he's going to be there, and then you know I'll just one person to also realize this is insane and take him you know fifty picks higher, but um right. it was just it seemed like a really like a a no-brainer thing and now right. that now that he's added this on top of it it's it could be a really good good uh you know year for those guys who, who got in there right and like my i i didn't um my earliest first baseman i drafted was i think goldschmidt at like 100 and something in one of my earlier dcs but then after that if you look at my player shares it's like 85% Yuli, 70% Carlos Santana, and like 50% McMahon. I was either waiting, I was waiting for one of those guys. And if I didn't get McMahon, just like you said too, it's funny how you just like wait and be like, ah, I can get him there. And if I didn't get McMahon, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to get Yuli. Every time I just, I picked him in so many drafts. I'm like, oh boy, I'm putting my whole season on Yuli. <laughs> yeah, I heard you. Yeah, I heard you say that, that you were just <laughs> waiting forever on and And, you know, so far so good with Yuli, right? So 
Right, right. I just didn't. Um, uh, I I didn't like to go back in that early. If I wasn't gonna get Freeman, I just was like, all right, I'm just gonna wait. You know. Yeah, I think especially I the up- way I was drafting, like um, like in DCs, like at least or with heavy pocket aces. Um, in my main events, I didn't, uh, you know, do a pocket ace strategy. But in the draft champion, that's uh, after going two pitchers, it's uh, you know, it's like going back into offense, but uh, you got to be picky about it. And it's like so. And first baseman was when it was always and Vado, uh, a heavy amount of Vado too. <laughs> Yeah, that's nice. I waited. I, I I waited not not as long as you, but I was. I also like to wait on first base. I would probably jump in around the one ninety, like the Christian Walker, CJ Cron kind of area is where yep. I, I like yep. to jump back in. But um, yeah, I wasn't really in on a lot of those early first basemen either. So go figure. After I draft um for um Freeman last year, and he helped me to a DC run. Um, I, I go no more first baseman. <laughs> thank, thank you for your service. <laughs> yeah. <that's- laughs> All right, cool. So um, why don't you give us your second player? Yeah, so I guess we'll just, this is an NOS-themed uh, podcast. <laughs> um, so I, you know, Evan Longoria is another guy who's, who's really sort of made me a believer with you know, the way that he's carried over, again, um, a really good 2020, a surprising amount of red. If you look at his stack S player page, uh, you know, 87th percentile, average exit velocity, 89th index slugging, um, just, you know, on and on. And then open up this year, you know, 101.2 exit velocity on fly balls and line drives, which is the fourth best among qualified hitters um, and, you know, has four homers this year. So just another one where, um, you know, reports of his death were greatly exaggerated, I think. <laughs> and uh, and so it's again, it's it's you know, he's like a, a deep league CI, probably not going to keep up this pace, but is proving to us now for, you know, 60 games plus, you know, 15 or whatever. That, um, that he's he's still got something left in his bat, and I uh, I think that he's certainly viable as a CI in those those fifteens. Uh, and another guy, we're talking about ADPs four hundred, like yeah, four fifty. No. <laughs> no. And I wasn't. I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say I was looking at him during draft season. It's, it's you know, it's Evan Longoria. It's like you know, how how much more boring can you get? But he's just he's certainly making me look stupid so it's like since since 2017 he has increased in barrel exit velocity and expected batting average in every single season <laughs> it's like he's getting better and like no one wants to believe it <laughs> he's he's the baseball's benjamin button apparently yeah i mean it's and good for him too like he he went through like a phase where he was like you know everyone's go-to third baseman and then he became like the overrated third baseman, and then he became the overhill guy. And now he's just, yeah, he's, he's pounding the ball, you know? Yeah, his, that's that's actually a good point. Like, he's he's gone from overrated to underrated, and he's doing the exact same thing, you know, the whole time, and it's just he's just gotten progressively older. And so yeah. we're, just, we're just waiting for him to fall off. And so somehow now he's doing the same thing he was five years ago, but, uh, but, but now he's underrated instead of overrated. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Oh, Longo. Um, it's, I love it. Um, good old Longoria. All right. So I'm going to go with my second guy is Luis Arias. Um, I got him in a ton of drafts this year. And then in every draft, I didn't get him when I, I tried to diversify. Um, he became my number one fan talking after week one, you know, it's just like, all right, I'm getting him. Uh, the hell with diversification. Um, but no. I, I had, I had my eye on, arise for a couple seasons now and it's weird you know what so um i took a look because 
in my head, I'm like, who who does he remind me of the most in recent years? And maybe not to the fullest extreme yet with his fly ball rate, but he's taken a little bit of a Jose Ramirez type of um um ascension so like a similar you know first full you know first season with 300 at bats was like you know four or five homers with you know good average and then little by little jose ramirez had a you know launch fly ball um and he became a sneaky little power source i don't think arise is going to get to that power level but i think he's got sneaky 15 um all over him um his exit velocity on fly balls and line drives again um he's 56 in mlb right now it's at 95 um again 2019 was 88 last year was 90 this year 95 um his ex world is at 390 and i like to um I use EV analytics um, for a lot of my StatCast research and uh, Derek Hardy has a bunch of awesome um, stats that he has on that site. So he, he, he like breaks it down too into some interesting little type of buckets that show like exit, like EV and launch angle and like certain, certain, um, certain ranges and you know, what, what the percentage is in those ranges. So um one thing I like to look at is he has um, a stat for exit velocity um, of 100 mile per hour in the air percentage. So that's the percentage of balls hit into the air by a batter that has an exit velo of over 100. So he's gone in the last two years and from 2% to 11% to this year, 42%. Um, super high. Um, definitely not going to keep it that up there, but he, you know, battling up more, more of the balls, um, and over a hundred too. So it's not even over 95. So, um, pretty interesting there. Another stat I like to look at is uh top five percentage EV. And that's the average EV of the top 5% of the hardest hit ball that the player has hit in the last three years, he went from 99 to 101 to 103. So again, um, just a bunch of hard hit balls, from him and I think he's um definitely getting into a better launch angle range um so it's just incrementally again just climbing up there to where I think he's gonna I, I think he's gonna provide some sneaky power maybe if not this year 15 he's getting there I think he's gonna get to that level on top of a 311 career average so far so um I love Luis um Arias I sorry I'm looking at my uh I've been practicing my pronunciation and presentation uh, guide here. I'm just really trying to nail the names down because it took me like six months even to get Crone uh, right. Crone. I'm still getting oh, it is wrong. It, is it Crone? I don't know. I, think I, I think, haven't looked at it. See, that's earlier. the thing. It's the one. It's the one that's all right. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna settle this right now, and I'm gonna look at the guide. Shout out to Baseball Pods, Chris Crone. It is Crone, like a drone. Okay, it's this CJ okay. Drone, and that's how I remember it. <laughs> yeah he's not really hitting like a drone this year um but uh but no that's that's a good pull on Arias. i i did not um did not know any of that about his, his hard hit stuff what when you're talking though it does it, it kind of reminded me talking about players but you know you remember um daniel murphy for a long time was yes. just you know 300 average but it was empty it was you know he would steal some bases but you know did not have that power stroke and then came into it still, still maintain that, uh, you know, ability to hit for average, but then grew into that power. So that, 
it's interesting, uh, maybe a, a comp too, but um, no, I like that. And I, I heard some people, uh, you know, I think Derek Van Riper is one of the guys beating the drum for, for uh, Arise. Um, maybe eventually, you know, being a guy who can provide more than just an empty batting average. And um, I heard it and I didn't really give it a lot of credence and didn't really put a lot of stock into it. Um, but that's, that's interesting. That that's opening my eyes. So um, that's the point of this podcast, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> point out some interesting things. Point out some interesting things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know what? He, he just gained third base today, I think. Um, and he's probably going to get outfield, you know, probably by, by mid season, I, I would guess, you know, um, I don't know what, what's going to happen with curl off, but I, th- I think with Donaldson back, they're going to like, they're going to keep him in the lineup and they're going to, you know, um, you know, what's his name is out right now. Right. So maybe he'll play more of second while Polanco goes over to short. Could Simmons is oh, hurt. Simmons is yeah, yeah. But I think he'll get the outfield too. And that, again, that'll be three, three positions, which will be golden. Um, so yeah, that's my second guy. Who do you got next for your last nice. uh, player? For the so, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't stick in the NL West or go completely <laughs> obscure for everyone. So I will, this is truly a like three up for me though, because I have zero shares of Tyler Glass now, but I am um, just, you know, along with everyone else, just super impressed with, with what's going on this year. It's not, you know, we knew about the fastball and the curveball, right? But the question was, is that all you got, you know? And if that's all you got, you know, you can't work deep in the games and, and his injury history, you know, has kind of do that in a question anyway, whether he's going to be a guy who went more than five innings and made, you know, 32 starts anyway. And so, um, you know, I was just, just wasn't willing to sort of bet on the come. And the other thing is, you know, so obviously this, this information is hugely valuable if you, if you nail it, but, um, Jason Collette tracks the new pitches in spring and there's, you know, some other guys who do the, the pitch trackers. But until we see it in real games, it's all just kind of noise, right? Like it's, you know, everybody's working on a new pitch, but how many of those guys are really throwing it, throwing it successfully when the, when the lights turn on? And so, sure, yeah, you know, Glaston's working on this slider in spring. Cool. Um, let's see him, you know, how effective is it? Just to be learning a new pitch doesn't really tell me a lot. And I, and I, I try not to put too much stock into this guy's working on this thing. Because how many times have we seen a guy work on a pitch and then scrap it because it's just not working? But I mean, the slider, he's throwing, you know, through the first couple of games here, throwing it 30% of the time, it's, you know, hugely effective. And if that's, I mean, if that holds up and you've suddenly got three, you know, plus pitches that you're just, you know, keeping hitters off balance all game, I mean, that's a game changer. And so I, I like I said, I'm admittedly wrong, um, have no shares of glass now, just wasn't a price I was willing to pay, but you know, this, this slider is, has just um, made a world of difference for him. So I'm, I'm impressed. Absolutely. I'm very impressed too. Um, I I had him like in my valuations, again, I had him for like that raw stuff and a lot of the metrics that I look at was, he was just, yeah, it was obvious like, okay, yeah, this, this guy's a stud, but then you realize, like you said, the two pitches um, that were sitting on that curveball knowingly couldn't throw it in the zone and sit just waiting for that fastball and i talk a lot with the sp streamer michael amione and he and he told me in spring training you know he he he's tried he's tried another pitch before like he worked on the splitter and it didn't work out for him so it's no lock that this is going to work um and and you know that's that's like you said like you know it, it, it doesn't always mean that he's working on a new pitch it's going to work out so but um I guess the skill, you know, he he's just 
he's just a really intense guy. It looks like he's constantly looking to get better. And, you know, he, he's just a freak too. So he just um, putting it all together, you know, and I'm, I'm not like, uh, I never get bitter if I don't have a share of a guy. Like, I love this. I love that the fact that he is being awesome. Like, and if I don't have a share of him, I'm not like, uh, I know, I know some people who really like root for guys that, you know, to do oh, root, bad, root, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Or, or, or just to validate their thoughts. Like I, to me, it, this is wonderful. Like I, and yeah. if I get beat because of it, then, then I got to get better, you know? <laughs> That's yeah. it. No, I'm with you. That's I obviously that. is one of my three ups. So I'm, I am, he's made me a, a believer. I'm a fan. Right. Absolutely. Um, but my last guy, I'm going to go with Mr. Stab Wound, Tommy Pham. Um, <laughs> uh, he right now, um, surface that's just horrible. Everyone's gonna probably say, What's Rob on right now? He's batting 143. Um, but it seems like he's going back to that profile in from 2017, 2019 that made him really special. So, um, the exit, the exit velocity on fly balls and line drives back up there at 95, 95 miles an hour. Um, 11 barrels per batter ball event. Um, and that extreme ground ball rate and his pull rate of last year is gone. Um, and it's right back into the range where we've accustomed to see Tommy Pham. And um, his Wober right now is sitting at 234, but his expected Wober is at 386. Um, it just looks like um, the same guy that we expected to see if he was healthy. Um, and I think, think that the surface that if anyone that is out there considering like dropping him or um, which I, you know, people have asked me about that and just want to let them know, no, like it's too early because the surface stats are, are, are ugly. I get it. But um, you know, the stack cast page is still super red um, and you know, everything's looking good. It's just wait for those numbers to fall back in line. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a, a good call. Um, I, I wrote for BP. We you know, did a bunch of staff stuff before, um, before the season. And, and one of the things was players to fade over the, uh, the long term, And, um, and so I actually wrote about fam because, you know, he's a, a big part of his game is speed and, you know, speed, obviously we know how it deteriorates, but, right. but then I turned around and, and took him in the, in the, um, the Roto world MC sports edge, um, kind of the family league that we do, uh, which has OBP as a category. And obviously he's a big OBP guy. So, um, wasn't totally out on him for this year. Um, and so, yeah, so I, that's, that's reassuring to hear as someone who's got a little, uh, stake in the fam that's, um, <laughs> yeah. he's trending up. Cause yeah, it's, it's not looking good so far in terms of on the surface stuff, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, this is another, like, obviously just another reminder of, of, how early it is and, and that, you know, even those surface stats, no matter how ugly or good they are, don't tell, you know, but a fraction of the story. Right. Absolutely. All right. So now we're going to get into some guys that we're um, not feeling so hot about. So who do you got first? Yeah. So go, go back to the NL West because you know, we can't <laughs> stay out for long. I mean, bam, and uh, you know, it started, started us back there, but um, yeah, Madison Bumgarner is, and, and the reason that I have him as a three down and not just like a, a duh, this guy is bad is because I, I sort of was expecting, um, you know, a bounce back. And, and he, I know at the end of last year, like in his literally like in his last two starts kind of showed some life again this spring. Um, and he's still, you know, he's throwing a little bit harder. So, you know, it's, he's, he's regained some of that velocity, but I mean, the, the numbers are just 
brutal. Uh, 92.5 average exit velocity. His cutter, which he throws a lot, is one of the worst pitches in baseball by, by um, you know, stack ass run value. So um, it's just nothing is really going well. Um, and uh, so I've any shares that I had of him in hopes that, you know, he was going to be serviceable. Um, this this one against Oakland here earlier this week was kind of the last straw for me. I was willing to, to write off, you know, uh, Padres on opening day and then in Colorado, like, sure. But, you know, Oakland should have been a soft landing spot or a relatively soft one. And he just couldn't, you know, again, couldn't do anything. So um, I held on to him in a best ball uh, in the in the rat slam um, you know, cut line because I think there could be matchups in weeks where he's serviceable. But I mean, try in a, in a league where you have to figure out a lineup and, and set it. Um, I, the number of times that I'm going to feel comfortable trusting him this year, uh, you know, on one hand, so. I, uh, I jettisoned him in most, you know, anywhere else where I had him. So he's definitely down for me. Right. And um, it's interesting that you mentioned that you kept him in the cut line because, you know, like the, the first year I got into best ball and I did a cut line as well. And um, in my head, I'm wondering, well, you know, I better have nine better pitches if he has a bad start, right? You know, it's like, <laughs> I don't want him to get his negative game if all my yeah. other pitchers, you know, also are not, you know, not having great weeks. But um, that's interesting. So you just had the um, the uh, uh, fab process, right, on Tuesday? Yeah. Is it, so the rat slam, I didn't get involved with rat slam, but it worked the same the same way as the cut line, the same, the two fab periods? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So cool. this one was, and you know, I did it last year and I don't really remember. It was so, last year was a weird year too, right? Um, and yeah. uh, so I, I don't know if I could have gleaned anything, but I tried to be aggressive in this fat period and I still ended up um, not being aggressive enough. So it's a lesson learned, but I ended up, you know, I had bids where I was thinking I would have less than a hundred dollars left for the second, um, you know, for the second fab in June. And I have $700 left. So I, I replaced all the guys who were duds, but um, did it with, you know, some of my lower end bids than, than the high ones. I, I just wasn't aggressive enough, um, you know, and some of them were by a couple bucks, but, you know, uh, horseshoes and hand grenades. I was super aggressive. Maybe we too. <laughs> I spent the good old. But you got of, your guys, you know, I so, got yeah. my guys. I got my guys. Like, you know, I, I'm like, I gotta get to the cut line, right? Like you, I gotta get there. Like never mind trying to save. Like I gotta be in position yeah. that I, you know, I could be there. I ended up spending eight hundred and sixty bucks, but I got everyone I wanted. I got Matt, um, I got uh, Trevino, I got Arias, um, Wade Miley, Chisholm. I just I grabbed every like top guy that I felt like. Was available because I think Wade Miley's gonna be a little sneaky the rest of the season. I think a little, uh, I know with a hot pickup this week because of his two starts, but um, you know he's had a history of being a pretty decent pitcher, um, save for the last you know last year's fourteen innings and his I think like really bad last three or four starts of twenty nineteen. But um, yeah, so it's it was interesting to you know um, I don't know it, I think that Fab process was um, even though. <laughs> It, it was like a separate day. I felt like it was such a longer process than my regular fab. Like I was yeah. like, do I look at end? Of, you know, do I look at rest of season projections? Do I, you know, like I was just trying to factor in like how much you know 
to put in, you know, stock into like what I think a player is going to give me, you know, for the rest right. of the year. So um, right. definitely, definitely an interesting uh, format for sure. Well, I think, I think you did it right. Um, I, you know, I had heard uh, Matthew Davis talk about uh, cut line. I think he's, he's one of the better cut line players out there. And he's, he talked before about how go hard in that, in that first period, because by June, you know, half the league has probably lost interest, you know, and so, and, and, you know, half the league spent most of their fab ride along with you and, you know, in April. So, um, you know, you can get, a, you can fill a lot of your holes with $1 bids or small bids in June because, you know, you know half the guys aren't even going to be bidding or, or they're not going to be, you know, really their heart's not going to be in it. So, um, yeah, so I, I think that you did it right. Uh, and I just um, was, you know, learned a lesson the hard way. <laughs> we'll see what happened they know like the guys the first the guys in first and second place in my league spent zero money so um <laughs> i'm in i'm in the top half so i'm just hoping you know that i can kind of float around there and then really kind of you know have the hammer for for june and maybe right. um you know sneak in and, and go from there um so we'll see but yeah that um that that was kind of kind of played into it is i didn't have a ton of holes all i actually didn't fab a single bat in that league all the guys that I added were pitchers. So I'm hoping for some, uh, some rebound performances from some of those guys and just that I can kind of keep, you know, stay in the top half of the league. So cool. Got it. All right. I'm going to give you my first guy that I'm out on right now is Jonathan scoop. Um, Just got a bunch of blue on his stat cast page, but it's it's like continuing trends for me. Um, His max EV, it had been, pretty loud across the like last three or four years, but everything else is trending um, wrong ways in my eyes. His, his EV on fly balls and line drives bent down three, four years in a row. His pop-up, hitting pop-ups at an alarming rate last two or three years. And also, um, it's like the middle of last year, just not pulling the ball at his uh, historical frequencies and feel like um, when he did, he was definitely – know punching in his you know uh, 20 22 homers type season um i just don't see that in the card for him anymore um got a they got a bunch of uh versatile guys this is a versatile team not getting a share of every day at bat um i and i feel like that's that's like showing in his play a little bit um he he's 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 not he's not as aggressive um that he's normally been um he's like not first pitch swinging. He's not swinging at strikes in the zone. Um, his K percentage is up. It's odd. It's just an odd profile. And I just think that, you know, like um, take a shot at a guy like, you know, that you feel like has some upside to fill out your middle infield needs. Um, I just don't feel like it's there for Jonathan Scope anymore. Yeah, he was one of those guys during draft season where, you know, I, I understood the – um, logic of the people who would say like, just, you know, just wait forever and get Jonathan scope. Um, I, I was like, Oh yeah, you know, okay. I can see that. That, that makes sense. But then also he's a guy who ended up on none of my teams. So clearly I wasn't, you know, buying yeah. into that, uh, theory. So I, uh, I, um, that's, that's, uh, I think that's a good call. Um, it was like, he's like always in a spot where it's like him or Cesar Hernandez. And like all day, I'm like, I'll, oh, take, yeah. the, I'll take the leadoff hitter <laughs> all day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no. it's like, it wasn't even close. And it, he's another guy who's ADP this year, preseason was just like, I know he was unsigned for a while, but it's just like, if, if you were just looking at what other players 
are being signed for and they're like war and you and you look at his and like right, he's gonna get signed and he's gonna play and he you know even when he even when he got signed his ADP didn't really budge that much and it's like he's all right he's going back to another horrible offense in Cleveland but he's gonna lead off for about second and he is you know and mm-hmm. I just never felt that ADP matched um you know what what he brought to the table even if it's not a spectacular skill set hey it's just solid and he's you know most plate appearances are huge um at least I think so. Like, especially draft, draft champion season, you know, just like I'll wait to the three fifties, three seventies and just grab them all day, you know? But yeah, uh, yeah I'm out on scope. Um, who's your next guy. So yeah, Aaron Hicks um, is actually a guy mm-hmm. who I was, uh, who I was more okay with ending up with during draft season. He was kind of in that group of outfielders where, which is kind of my preferred strategy this year was to, maybe get an early outfielder one, you know, kind of in that George Springer area. But then, you know, I waited past pick 200 for, for most of my other outfielders. And Hicks was kind of in that group for me that, um, you know, was interesting and was going to hit third for the Yankees. And, and that's uh, certainly a job that, you know, um, is worth your attention. And uh, but then, you know, so the thing is, uh, the numbers aren't good. I mean, 29.6% hard hit, um, which is 22nd worst among qualified hitters. Um, and, and maybe more alarming is at least to this point, you know, he's not walking at the clip that he, that he was and the stolen bases, something I think that we sort of just generally associate with Hicks, but maybe like mm. that's, uh, uh, something that we've kind of grandfathered in. That's, that's just sort of a, a way that we think about him, but haven't really paid attention to what he's done. Um, and so I'm just thinking, you know, if he continues, even if these numbers trend up, even if he starts hitting the ball a little bit harder. Um, you know, if he, if his plate discipline isn't there, it's, he's already got a bad batting average, even with all the walks. So, you know, if he, if he starts walking less, he doesn't run at all. You know, it's really kind of a one trick pony. That's, that's not a trick that's impressive <laughs> enough to, to be worth anything. You know, he's, he's, um, he's not one of these guys who just mashes, uh, in terms of like, you know, has these upper tier exit velocities. So, um, you know, if, if the one thing that he's doing is hitting for power, but he's also hitting 220 and that power is, you know, less impressive than it has been. And he's not walking and scoring when, you know, Stanton hits 450 foot homers, then um, probably just not worth the, the heartache. So he's a guy for me who's, who's kind of uh, trending in the wrong direction. It's also like, you know, the start of the season, like he's batting third and I'm just like, why? You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like it's just... why he's kind of three hitter, and then like you know, like oh, we dropped him down to one game to five, and you know, my brother is a diehard Yankee fan, and you know, it's like oh, they finally dropped pick down, and the next game he's batting first. <laughs> Come on, man! It's like, it, it, what are they? He, I don't understand. I don't understand that because well, like I'd rather bat Gio or Seller third than 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 Hicks, you know. <laughs> Yeah. And well, and he did it last year too, right? He was like the three hitter for the whole duration of the 60 game season. So coming in, you kind of knew that that was going to, but there's really, if someone said, why is Aaron Hicks the Yankees third hitter? I would, my answer would be because Aaron Boone said so, you know, like that's, there's no other real good explanation. It's just like, that's what he wants to do. And so I guess that's what we're doing, but I don't have a good reason for why he's a third hitter now. Yeah. That's very interesting. Cause for like, um, for everyone that you know i have a lot of yankee fan friends and they think that aaron Boone's the puppet and that you know he does stuff uh based on like what the organization is sending down through analytics i'm like that's insulting his whole family like uh, being in baseball for like a million years and that he can't make a decision on his own so you know uh but in that you know i was like yeah but aaron Boone, why are you batting now? 
kickstart. It just yeah. mind boggling to me. But yeah. yeah, I agree with you. It's uh even you know it and it's funny, right? You know, you talk about that, like how he came, how he batted third last season. Um, and then like when the news came out that he was batting third, it's like his ADP went up. It's like of something that has happened, like for the majority right. of his Yankee career, <laughs> it's yeah. like, yeah, how, like why that. did that just happen? Because it was right. certified in the news, like right. uh, it's a very strange uh, trends. Like those, you know, that was my first year involved in like you know re- really deep paying attention, you know, getting involved, and and it's it just like all I never realized you know, the, the helium, um, that could happen with just such little news, you know, like, um, and I think like, it's important to mine a news, but like, I've learned, like, you know, you, you really got to be careful with the coach speak too. Cause a lot of it is horseshit and you're, you know, and you're like, wait, wait, but this guy said this, you know, and, and it dictated a lot of your draft prep, you know, it's just silly. It's silly to like rely on that so much. Yeah, no, I think this year could be an interesting lesson because I think as a fantasy community, we've we've started paying attention to that more, at least outwardly. I'm sure that there were there were players who were who have always been locked in and, and really paying attention. But I think it's been with Twitter and with having this sort of, um, you know, bubble that we we've created. And, you know, it's this conversation is kind of constantly, you know, Mike Curlin's is following spring training lineups and we're, we're paying, you know, so much attention where every time Jeff Zimmerman drops a mining the news, everybody's, you know, talking about how it's a must read. And so, um, and it's true, but at the same time, like we're, we are going to see here pretty soon, whether or not paying that closely attention to things that were going on in January and February was, uh, was a prudent decision. And I'm guessing that the answer is um, some of it was, and some of it wasn't. And good luck figuring out going forward what, what to pay attention to. <laughs> you know, it's all like, I mean, the closer stuff's a perfect example, right? I mean, you know, this guy's the closer, and then, you know, one game into the season, he's, he's no longer the closer, or, or, you know, the whole like Nick Wickren, James Karinchak, Emmanuel Classe, who's going to be the, oh, no, the best example was Emilio Pagan, right? Like we were all listening, right. we all heard, we all listened to the Fantasy Baseball in 15 episode where, where Dennis Lynn came on and said, Emilio Pagan's a closer and we all snapped up Pagan and then he right. doesn't even get a look. He's not even near the ninth inning, you know? So um, yeah, Unbelievable. It's, figuring out what to pay attention to is, is going to be a, a big challenge for us going forward. Right. And, you know, I, I've been playing with holes in my home league for quite some years now. And as much as the stat was pretty crazy in itself, because there was some holes where I'm like, that's a hold, you know, like, it was like, what? What's the rule? Because I remember, like, <laughs> I remember the first the first year that we had it in in my league. One of the guys like texted me, and he's like, "What the fuck, really, is a hold?" You know, like, and then like he never looked up like what a hold was, <laughs> definition wise, and he he's like, "This is crazy. It's such a wonky stat." Uh, but given that, I feel like with the three batter minimum, it it's actually gained more of a validity to it right I, I feel like it's now just not some you know like crazy one one batter face then up you know hold right there like it it's actually more something real right now than than it ever was and right, i like, feel like know. it's you know it's time to incorporate it because um you know i know there's probably going to be a ton of resistance to do it but uh, you know, you got to go with the times, you know, you got to go with the baseball landscapes and, and, you know, those, those relief pitchers that just have a ton of that 
deserve to be on teams because of their skill set, right? And it's just because we have this one stat that's just getting slowly pushed away because of the coaches. The coaches, we, it's a copycat league. You know, they look at the Rays and it's like, oh, well, you mean we don't have to have one Mariano Rivera? We could have, the, you know, a bunch of tiny, you know, guys who are effective. Sure. You know, and it just keeps people guessing, keeps other teams guessing all the time. So not to have that book on just one closer that's going to come in and, and be the guy, you know. So um, I don't know. I know that, um, a lot of people still are very like, you know, holds aren't real. But I do think it's I have to look up how many holds like have been really for uh, like prior, like, you know, under one, um, under three batter holds compared to now, because um, I heard that somewhere like talking about hold being a little more valid right now. I'm like, you know what? That, that does, that's, that's true because, you know, believers are coming in for more than just, you know, one batter now. So. Yeah. I mean, when, thing on hold. When TJ Antone, you know, comes in out away from getting a four inning save, I think that, uh, that we don't really have much of a place to call holds a, a joke of a stat because saves are, are, you know, right along with it. So I, uh, I think holds, yeah, I, I agree. I think holds are a, a decent, you know, it, it makes the game more what it's supposed to be, which is, you know, skills um, went out and, you know, you're rostering the players with the most skill, you know, when you're rostering, uh, what's a good example? I don't even know a bad reliever because, because you think that he's going to pitch in the ninth inning, you know, but right. um, what would, you know, the, the Wickren example, right? Like when you roster Wickren, who is, who is probably, you know, the third best reliever in that bullpen, because you think he's going to pitch the ninth, but, but Karen Jack isn't worth rostering because he's going to pitch the eighth, you know, it's, that's a, it's a tough thing to justify. So. it's yeah. a good point. Very good point. And, um, I'm not for the, you know, drop, drop the wins, you know, for, you know, like I, I know a lot of people prefer the quality start, which I think it's, is a little bogus too. Cause I don't think that is really a quality start, but that's another conversation, but I, you know, do the wins plus quality start. If you want to do it, like in my eyes, because again, if you take away wins, you're taking away the chance that a reliever, if I get the win, you're taking them. But I guess that's what, uh, I guess that's the goal is to eliminate all that variance and wins, but um, I don't know, part of the game. So I, I don't want to see wins die. Um, all right. So we're ready. Oh, I'm at my second down guy and it's going to be Miguel. So no, I just like, want to know like why, you know, like just he bats in two hundreds um, and he's got some power, right? Like, why is he on a hundred percent of lineups? Like, why is he a hundred percent rostered? Like, yeah. this guy is not good. Like, I don't know. If you're actually just waiting there for him to get hot, like, who do you have on your team to pick up your batting average? Like, do you have like George Brett and and and, <laughs> and Stan Musial? Like, because oh, it's just a disaster. Like, you know, and 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 that's the thing. Like. Yeah, Maxi Maxi V is still solid, but everything else just plummets. And he's just uh, I don't know, this pop he's popping up like at a, an absurd rate. And you know, that'll come down. But um it, it, I watched a ton of games and it just he just doesn't look comfortable at the plate. Like he he just I don't know. It looks like he's dipping down a whole like it's not I'm not a better analysis at all, but it just looks like he had a totally different like 
you know, like back path and like his body too. He's doing something different with his back half of the body. But, um, and now too, you know, he can't hit anything but a fastball. The fastball is the only pitch he could hit. And now like, you know, teams are like slowly throwing him less and less fastballs. I mean, more and more, um, yeah, less fastballs. And now he's seeing less than he's ever seen in his career. So um, just like, I just don't understand like why, why would you have yeah, no, that team? No, you, I, I don't under, I just don't understand why you can just stop there. That's, that's, that's a good question. Um, yeah, it's like, no, he's yeah, like, I, I saw, qualified bad is he's ninth worst with, um, in the NLB in hard hit balls. Like, and he's supposed to be this hard hit, you know, EV monster. Like if you're not hitting and you're popping up and you're striking out and, Oh, well his walk rate is up. Um, thank God. Um, <laughs> but like I just don't get it because like to me he's like you you see a guy like Adam Duvall get like streamed and he's way better than this you know than no in my eyes yeah. you know like if yeah. you want a, a power hitting threat or even Hunter Renfro um I feel like more safe throwing in than you know I know I think I, they're just like waiting for that 48 homer year that's not gonna come no, I, I, I looked at the box score today and saw that he had homer and then looked at his batting, you know, his, his batting line. And I was just like, I hope this is worth it, guys. You know, everyone who rostered him, <laughs> like, I hope this, I hope you're enjoying this home run, this solo shot today. Um, because no, it's, I, I wanted nothing to do with him or really any of those guys. That just wasn't, you know, and, and you look and it's, we're, you know, 15 days in or whatever. But I mean, you see the, the things about the, you know, the batting averages being um, basically at an all-time low, you know, batters are, uh, I think pitchers are striking out more than a batter per game now, you know, starting pitchers. It's just, you know, the guys who are supposed to be good are hitting, you know, 250. And so to, to roster a guy like Sano and take that, what's it going to be this year? Is it, you know, I mean, we always kind of say 200, but I mean, is it because pitchers are getting better and batters are, are, are striking out more often? I mean, is he going to hit 190 185 like that's <laughs> just untenable and so i no i had no interest in in, in during that this year no yep what's your thoughts on the um the atlantic league trying the different mound dimensions do you think that's something that should be messed with or no i don't know i mean i you know it, you don't have to like like i said you don't have to look too far to see that um pitching is basically becoming dominant and hitting is, is really, you know, it's becoming a kind of the three true outcome game. And so, you know, I don't, I, I don't know why just lowering the mound a little bit wouldn't be easier, but also, you know, I think one thing is we, we see this stuff and we react mm -hmm. to it as though we're the first people having these thoughts. Like we're like, we're suddenly like, you know, more enlightened than like clearly major league baseball, um, put some thought into this and decided that this was something that was worth trying. They didn't, I don't think that, I mean, I, you know, we can make jokes about Rob Manfred, but I'm not sure that he just woke up one day and was like, you know what we should do <laughs> is <laughs> we should just one foot, I think would really be the, the perfect, you know, recipe. I'm pretty sure that they had a lot of people who were very smart, think about it and, you know, and, and, and think about all the ways it could go well and not well. And so um, sure. I'm willing to see, what it looks like and if it's a disaster you know okay i i but um i uh i i don't i certainly don't mind the idea i think that using the you know poorly paid guys who are trying to grind out a living in hopes that they make it and go like 
good luck catching a team's eye now, you know, like that's, <laughs> that's a little bit, that's tough on the guys pitching in the Sally league. Good but, point. Um, yeah. but you know, I don't mind the idea of trying it and seeing how it goes. I just not sure how you try it in a way that's fair to the guys, you know, getting a, a, a stipend to go eat a red lobster, you know, that night. Right. Good point. Very good point. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it yet. It just like it's got to be so different, you know. It's gonna have yeah. like as a pitcher, you know. Like I don't know. It just seems like, you know, I know when I play wiffle ball, if I'm like a certain distance away, that's different from what I've been like throwing. I'm like, wait a minute, hold on a second. How many feet is this? <laughs> no, it's just uh, it's just uh, I can imagine that's going to be such a weird shift. But um, yeah, I think you're right though. Like they, they definitely had guys, people think um, people thinking about this, um, and definitely didn't wake up with the thought. And yeah, I think it's you know, um, let's see how it plays out. You know, I know they're also trying to DH rule, um, which is pretty interesting. So. Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, we'll see what happens. I I don't know how much it it will really affect, you know, the hit tool. And I guess it'll, I don't know, what did it change batter's approach? That's another thing, right? You know, like, would it just be like, oh, so now we can just start hitting singles again? Or no, I think they're still going to be launch angle crazy. But um, who knows? All right, give us your last guy that you are really concerned with right now. All right. So, yeah. So uh, like with glass now is not to go too you know, uh, obscure or deeply with all these, um, you know, Javier Baez is, uh, you know, having a really rough start to the year. Um, second percentile in strikeout percentage, uh, fifth percentile in walks, you know, middle of the road. Maybe the most concerning is that he's middle of the road in spread speed. Um, really, you draft Baez because you think he's going to give you something approaching 20 steals. And, you know, to, to not possibly get that um, really, you know, hurts the, the all around kind of production that you were banking on. And, and, you know, the thing is too, is, is there are guys, I think that if they were doing this, we would be able to easily write off, but given his history of um, swinging and missing, you know, to the extent that he has, um, this looks more like a continuation of a bad trend rather than mm-hmm. something that cropped up and is kind of a, a weird, you know, slump. Um, so I'm, I'm very concerned that this is maybe, you know, something more real than um, he's having a rough couple of weeks, especially because obviously um, his struggles in 2020 were pretty well documented. Um, and so does, is this actually a continuation of a downward trend that started last year? Or is this, you know, something that we're just kind of, that he's going to work himself out of? I don't know, um, but I, I'm a little concerned. And I, you know, I, I kind of broke one of my one of my rules. You know, we we uh, this isn't intuitive or, or it's not um, you know some some uh, great thought, but you know, generally we try and draft guys that we like and try not to draft guys that we don't oh, like. And I've, yeah, I haven't yeah. really been a I haven't been a bias guy, but I found myself in TGFBI. Um, at a point where he was the last of kind of what I considered to be like the upper tier shortstops. Um, and I could have used the speed. And so I took a shot, even though I didn't really like him. And so now I'm like, not only, you know, is it just concerning for the Cubs or for people who have him, but like, you know, I took a shot on this guy and now I've got some skin in the game and on a guy that I don't like, and this may be a hard lesson <laughs> that, that if 
you don't like a guy, don't don't draft him regardless of context. So, <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, it's. Did you like? It's one of those things where it can affect your next pick. I know we had a slow draft, but like if we were in a fast draft, you know that thing stays on your mind for a little bit. When you end up picking a guy that you're like, why did I just fucking pick this guy? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> well, yeah, it was right. I mean, in the moment, it was like kind of a hold your nose thing. I, you know, you're trying to see the best case scenario, which is that he, you know, the video helps. He, over the course of a full season, is going to hit because he has. Because even if you don't like his, his, you know, any of his underlying stuff, he's just, he just does. He just always ends up with, you know, these, these numbers. So, um, the, the, you know, 30 homers and 15 steals, and he somehow ends up hitting you know, 270, even though he struck out 30% of the time. So um, I was just like, well, let's hope he can do it again. And so um, I, I, you know, I, I may end up paying for that. But at the time, even though it wasn't like a pick that I loved, I was like, this could work out for me. So uh, it didn't tilt me. I, you know, I, I kept my composure. But um, yeah, now <laughs> I'm looking back at that going like, uh, you know, maybe I should have trusted my own, you know, my own instinct there. Gotcha. Yeah. Um... Uh, I think two, like two hobby buyers. I think one in one in a roto. I think one in an, a very early DC, and then actually a couple of best balls because I I felt like he was like a good best ball type player. Um, I'll take his you know his really super weeks if he could still, um, you know, run off those you know heaters that he usually gets on, and that's that's that the swing and miss stuff doesn't you know, I mean he still wants the guys who are consistent enough to you know give you consistent point weeks but you know uh that's the leagues i i took my shots with him on so yeah, for my last guy so. my last guy nate you know uh you know there's a spot um in the uh batted ball profiles that says like a similar batter to this player yeah so this player it just gave me instant confirmation i look his player up and browse to his stat, and i skim it over and sometimes obviously you know we take it with a grain of salt a lot of that it's just really crazy and wonky. But, you know, when you see Johnny Giavatella and you're like, whoa, wait a minute, that guy was terrible. This guy has to be terrible. Um, <laughs> I was talking about poor Elvis Andrews. Um, I don't know. He, even when he went to Oakland and he was going to start, I just like everyone was like, oh, you know, I'm taking him for speed. And just like, nah, like. At that point of the draft, I'm like, I'll take my shot with J.P. Crawford, like a young kid who's gold glove, not going to come out of the lineup with like his plate discipline going through the roofs, getting better. Um, and just Elvis Andrews is just, I don't know, just continuing a very downward trend that's alarming. I think he's probably going to be out of a job very soon. 16th percentile in bower rate. Um, his EV on fly balls and line drive is under 90. Um, the seventh worst hit hard hit percentage in the league and it's not so bad if you're like whiffing uh you know a lot but when you're swinging more and you're whiffing more it's that that's pretty bad and that's what he's doing right now yeah Yeah. it's a bad combination um you know that woba like 134 woba and the 234 expected woba like yeah i don't know just i i don't see (laughs) i don't see him hanging on to an everyday job for a long time no, and I, I, I actually around the time that trade happened, I kind of talked myself into into Chad Pender as being a guy who was interesting, and so I, right. I didn't like it for that reason. As I was, I was trying to get in on some Chad Pender like 
you know, oh, so, everyday shortstop kind of right. thing. And so, um, and then, yeah, and then they go and do that. And so it's like, a, so, yeah. So you, so. you uh, did a non, non-draft uh, spite to Andrews for taking yeah. away your pender. I get yeah. it. That's yeah. just the, this is the type of the analysis that people want to hear. Like, right. Right. Then I'm <laughs> in my living room, MFing Elvis Andrews. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely i do the same thing Nate. i'm like man this guy took away this from playing time of my speculative guy f you i'm not taking you <laughs> yeah. i know um, i had a lot of those and you know you do like we talked about i mean you do a lot of those draft molds or and i just had a couple but you know you, you you take some guys late that you're like um well if this you know if everything goes right you know if, if Yachty doesn't come back to the Cardinals, Andrew Kisner, and then, you know, Yachty resigns, which is really hard for me, right. As a, as a Cardinals fan, because on one hand, you're like, yeah, you know, good. They brought Yachty back. And on the other hand, you're, you're, you're silent. You don't go I'm like, well, God damn it. Now Andrew Kisner is worthless, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> I know. Like, oh man, I, I tried, I tried to stay away. I had some early Yachty's where I was just like, you know, I'm like, he's going to sign. Like, you know, when it's like early in January and then it's like February and it's the beginning of March and you're like, shit, did I make a mistake taking Yachty so early? You know, like, yeah. and then it's like he signed. You're you know? nervous. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. like we said, the opposite way is, is, is definitely real. Like um, for a while that was like um, Andrew Knapp. You know, I'm like, well, Muto's coming to the Mets, baby. Right. And Nap, I love Nap profile. I'm like, take a nap. And then it's like, real Muto's fine. <laughs> and you're like, oh, the Mets didn't get him. And now my nap shares stink. Yeah. <laughs> and then JT got hurt. But I'm like, ah, that's, you know, it's good for my nap shares, but not good for my JT. Oh, right. <laughs> oh my the god. Struggle of, of having multiple leagues. Yeah, exactly. The struggle of our fantasy baseball life. All right, cool. So we made it through that three up, three down, man. That was awesome. Thank you for joining me for this. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So um, all right, I got one question to ask you before we end this pod. Who will be the biggest regret of your fantasy season? Besides glass now, because you already mentioned glass now, but who, who, who else will be your biggest regret of not having shares of this year? Yeah. Okay. That's a good one. Um, you know, it's tough. You, you don't want to say the first round guys, because I, that's so much the luck of the draw. Like I wasn't in a position, uh, literally didn't get early position in any draft to get the Acuna Juan Soto right. types. So, you know, that's like, Sure, cool. I missed out on them, but it's not by any sort of like um, I chose to willfully miss out on them. Um, hmm. Guy who I'm gonna end up regretting. Um. So I mean, I have, I have one Corbin Burn share, so it's not a total FOMO, but right. like it just that one was very much like I kind of just fell into it. Um. And I clearly like, he's like the best pitcher on the planet right now. So, um, <laughs> and we, the thing is that no, we're all, we're all watching it, but like, we're sort of like raising an eyebrow, like, Oh, you know, Holy shit. He's really good. But we, we already knew he was pretty damn good. So it's like, it's one of those that even now sitting here on, you know, on, on April 15th, um, why a month ago, didn't we realize this? Like, why, why were we still acting like Corbin Burns was like, good but not you know he, he's not a guy that we're taking in the first couple of rounds you know um i now you look at it and you go of course he's, he's a guy we should have taken right there and you know along with all the other studs 
Um, but for some reason, we just, I think, I guess we were concerned about innings. Uh, I guess we were concerned that maybe not everything from last year was legitimate. Um, I know he still was like a fourth round pick, but, you know, I mean, obviously he's pitching like a guy who should have been in there with the, the you know, the Bauer, uh, Darvish class. So um, I will probably regret not getting more of him to enjoy what he's doing so far. I think you're a hundred percent right. The way you just said that, because like what stops us, right. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, it's so we all saw 2020. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we also 20 and then even like 2019, like, you know, when he was, um, he was, he was definitely one of, if not my MVP on my DC team this year, because I got him at four, I picked four thirty, Um, and I even took him like two rounds above where he was going because, you know, even in 2019, right. You saw the, whatever the eight ERA, but you saw the three, five Sierra, like you saw, you saw stuff that would line up and say, yeah, you know, that's, that, that's not him. So I want, you know, he was one of my late round targets for sure. And then he does it. And then, like you said, it's like, okay, we, we believe the skills. So that, that whole inning thing i think just really messes with our brain right you know mm -hmm. because um and and it's interesting because uh he'll do so you know always matches to me like you know um i know the probabilities aren't that a guy can go from 60 innings to 180 or 200 but it's happened even through non-injuries like adam wainwright one year pitched 60 and went back up to two, 200 the next year like pitchers can do it right you know um and I'm reading a book right now called Thinking Fast and Slow. Um, and it's awesome. It was like a Alex Fast recommend and um, reading. And um, I'm only through the introduction, but it's talking a lot about um, our biases, right? But I also like our intuition biases and how we have, there's one thing called like, um, like a resemblance bias. And like we have a bias in the judgment of like, what we've already had in our mind of that thing. So like Corbin Burns, it's weird, but he comes to mind when it's like, yeah, he resembles that picture that we have in our brain as you know, going to be capped at innings or he's never been there. So that yeah. that's what held us back from, you know, from really investing, like you're saying, to put him in that range where he could probably, you know, rightfully so, would have been skills wise, you know, like in that yeah. second round, you know, um, but, you know, we just could, like, a, you know, our brains couldn't, you can't do that. You know, it's, you just not, not good, <laughs> but right. uh, where but in we, essence, we... like you're saying, he's, yeah, he's, he's putting, he's putting us to a lot of us to like, oh yeah, yeah. I should have took him in the second round. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think we, yeah, we set a lot of those kind of traps for ourselves and, and, and we think that, you know, this guy, uh, like the one like last year with Verlander, like, oh yeah, he's, you know, he's a late first, early second round guy because he is. And you kind of overlook the fact that I mean, obviously it was, you know, an injury risk and all that stuff. And so yeah, I think there's, there's, that's just one example, but clearly there are a lot of, a lot of places where we have blind spots for one reason or another. And, um, and that ends up kind of, you know, affecting the way that we, that we draft and, and, you know, some of them are, some of them are good, I guess, but some of them are bad. Right. Absolutely. All right, buddy. Again, appreciate the time. You want to give everyone another heads up of uh, where they could find you on Twitter and where they could find your work right now. 
Yeah. So uh, Nate underscore Graham on Twitter. And like I said, um, I've got basically a weekly column uh, at uh, Baseball Prospectus on Wednesdays. It comes out. Um, it's looking at deep league targets, um, guys who I'm using TGFBI as a, uh, a good sort of, um, you know, a, 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 what I what I base my ownership percentages on, because um, I, I think that's a good representation of kind of where you know, the, the sharp players, but not the, like the upper echelon main event, you know, uh, threshold is. So using guys who are, who are lowly um, rostered in, in TGFBI leagues to uh, maybe recommend some guys who are worth paying attention to um, and probably guys who, you know, you know if, if the first couple of weeks are any indication, guys who end up getting fabbed more that following weekend. So um, hopefully it's a useful problem. That's awesome. That's uh that's, that's perfect. That's uh, I think, um, it, having been kind of really bad at fab last year in the main event, it's definitely something I wanted to, you know, ma- made a, a case to be better at. And, and, and not only like trying to find the right fits and, you know, getting the most out of every dollar I'm bidding. I, I had a lot of instances where I may have like set some backup bids and conditional bids and took on guys. Like I didn't, play in that like week or two and it's like even if it's eight dollars or eleven dollars you know i was like i have to stop doing that like you know i have to stop wasting money on a guy that i didn't play for like a week i was even considering him for you know so i just felt like i i took too many oh let's just get this guy in case tomorrow there's a crazy situation or uh, i don't know it was just a, a couple of bids where i was like you know what i'm making the same mistakes here, so I got to do that better. Um, but you know, fab is uh, fab's a wild thing. You know, it's I don't think is a perfect art to it, but it's just uh, it it drives me nuts when you like really get a guy for ninety five and you see the backup bid at eight. And you're like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm I'm struggling. I'm falling into this thing now. I, I really need to kind of reset. Um, but I, I think I'm making moves just to make moves mm. because you feel like if you're not, then you're not trying kind of thing. And right. so I'm like, kind of, because we talk about it, like, you know, the bottom of your roster, you should be churning, but sometimes, I mean, you know, you don't necessarily need to churn like four guys, but I'm kind of like looking at it like, well, if I'm not, you know, if I'm standing still, um, maybe I'm not trying hard enough to get better. I think I need to start really assessing the moves that I'm, that I'm making and whether or not I need to be, you know, turning these guys off my roster. So it really is like what you said, it's a constant process of trying to get better at it. And I'm still um, light years away from being any good at it. So, yeah, I know. That's why I'm like um, part of me doing like the main event recap is, is just like trying to force myself to look at it more. And obviously, yeah, yeah you know, one, one, one person's bid on one player is going to like really skew like a trend per se, or like an average value that is, is, you know, Oh, this is this, but um, you know, cause it's always that one person it takes him, you know, to, you know, in your league to say, Oh, you know, he went for four twelve in that, in that league, but he didn't go for over 90 in any other league. So it always takes that one crazy bid, but yeah, I've been just been trying to uh, absorb the trends and, really kind of like lock in to see I think last year my main event I really learned that like from from Phil and Rob Silver and Mark's Arriba like seeing seeing a bunch of like two or three dollar bids that you're like what's that guy gonna do and that guy ended up doing 
good and you're like yeah. hmm you know like what am i missing in this bad like you know like why am i going for the 112 guys or the 65 dollar guys when these three or six dollar players are shining you know like yeah. where do i got to get better so um you know um i did really like you know, middle in the pack in that league, but I, it was the most valuable league I ever did in terms of what I, you know, like knew I had to get better at, you know? So, yeah. um, and that was definitely one of it, just learning, um, you know, where to find those values, you know, and then saving the hammer for, you know, not for uh, a one week closer or a, a, a Tyler Naquin, which was nuts that, he, oh, he, you know, it's like, it's just, I don't know, you know, that's just, that's just poor process in my eyes. Like, you know, you, you have to really understand that whole context of that outfield and that team and, and Jesse Winker's gone and Akiyama's coming back and that this guy's not going to – A, you can't get those stats too. Like, I feel like a lot of those bids are like that in, in your brain. People are thinking, well, I'm going to get those stats somehow, you know, again, yeah. but it's not, yeah. it's not happening. <laughs> right, no, that was on the – yeah, I know Rob Silver, I heard him say, you know, it's a great bit if you're playing leagues where you get last week's stats, you know, it's like, that's sure. You know, that's, that's wonderful. Look at, look at all those home runs that you're, you're collecting, but no, they don't mean anything to you when he's going to go back to the bench. Cause Jesse Winker is also a damn good hitter. And you know, yeah, that, that all feels crowded and I didn't get it, man. I, I, there, there are a lot of bids that, that surprised me, but um, that one for bad reasons was just shocking. You know, when I heard Rob Silver say that, it brought a, it brought an interesting thing into my brain because you know how they were doing the retro drafts last year, yeah. For like, and uh, I thought that was awesome. And I was like, man, Mike, maybe you should have like a retro fab um, draft. It's just, <laughs> it's like you said, you get stats from last week, and you get you know like uh, a certain amount of money, and uh, that's that's what it is. It's just it's yeah. just a it's just a league standings of of fabbing. And you get X amount of money and you see how you could do it. No draft, it's just that. <laughs> right. That's that's fascinating. Because yeah, do you do you on in the second week of the season, do you go hard for Tyler Naquin's, you know, week? Or do you do you assume that there will be someone else who pops up and has a monster week along the has way somewhere week. too? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. You know, listen, I'm always trying to think of that next big thing. I don't know if that's <laughs> gonna be a huge thing, but it could be something minor. <laughs> Uh, so awesome, Nate. Again, thank you for um, hanging out with me and talking. This was great. So, and uh, we'll link up again sometime for sure. Yeah, I enjoyed it, man. All right, cool, man. All righty, folks. That will conclude this episode of the Poor Hitter Podcast. Once again, thanks for tuning in. Hope you find this episode pretty valuable and um, get some nuggets out of it. Like I uh, mentioned in the podcast and before the podcast, we know we're working with short numbers and small sample sizes. And um, obviously, you know, we have to wait for things to stabilize and normalize to truly see um, how we feel about a player, if it's right or not. But, um, you know, sometimes you just got to make quick decisions. And, um, you know, um, sometimes you got to go with your gut or maybe with some lesser data than you want. Uh, but, you know, leagues can be won and lost with quick decisions. Um, there's so much overreactions, there's underreactions, there's uh, non-reactions, you know. So um, we just got to do our best to make proper decisions based on what um, we have in front of us. So anyway, hope everyone is doing well in your leagues. Um, you can always hit me up on Twitter. Um, you know, always open to talk fantasy baseball with anybody. So... Um, yeah. Alrighty. Enjoy yourselves. 
smarten up and don't be a bag of shit.